everyone. This is episode four of Your Queer. I'm B. And my. And I'm Indy. Hello, everyone. So today we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter with Ashton P. Woods, who is the leader of Black Lives Matter Houston, which mm-hmm. is we're really uh, glad that he's going to come on to the show. And I'm actually kind of like starstruck a little bit like, wow, you want to talk to us? Yeah. But uh, before we do that, we want to talk a little bit about uh, some brief topics uh, before we open up, uh, which would include like, you know, intersectionality, um, how to build safe spaces in the community um, and what performative allyship sort of looks like and just Black Lives Matter as a whole and how it started and all that jazz. So um, I know that before we were going to, when we were thinking about this episode, Mai, you really want to talk about uh, safe spaces. Yeah. And I want to know what that looks like for you and what it me- and what that looks like in terms for Black Lives Matter. And this is a question I have for you too, Indisha, as well. So let's take it away. Well, um, I know we, you know, you, you talk about intersectionality, but... I guess when we do talk about all these things, yeah, that's basically what this is, you know, because yeah. we have all these intersections being black and brown individuals and mm-hmm. then being queer. And then you have your different sections like your Latinx, mm-hmm. Adisha's black mm-hmm. and I'm Asian. So, you know, we all have different kinds mm-hmm. of colorisms in our community. What? You're Asian? I had what? no idea. Yeah. Wow. This is news <clears throat> to me. Is it? Yeah, I guess I haven't really mentioned that. No, <laughs> never. I had no idea. No idea. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. So are you saying that a safe space is intersectional? Right. And all-inclusive, I guess. Right. Yeah. What about and, you, Indisha? Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciate about Black Lives Matter in general is that even though the title of it does highlight the... Um, the unfairness and the brutalities that happen primarily in the black community, but they still have in their message that we are, that they are like a intersectional, they like, they believe in intersectionality in between like uh, black lives and, you know, immigrant lives, uh, trans lives, women, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not just, it's not just about like the Black Lives Matter movement, like the highlighter, it's not just about black people, I'm sorry, in the Black Lives Matter movement, like it highlighted the mm-hmm. um, particulars, like particular issues with the community um, as far mm-hmm. as like having like police brutality. But I still definitely appreciate that it is definitely all about being intersectional and they still highlight that, you know, yes, black and brown lives mm-hmm. are the ones that are most targeted uh, with br- pr- police brutality and mm-hmm. uh that's still sadly um even though the movement itself was established in 2013 we're still dealing with unarmed mm-hmm. black people unarmed black and brown lives still being taken by police on a constant mm-hmm. basis the year just started and the numbers are already in the double digits it's still happening yeah um, yeah so as far as safe spaces, uh, safe mm-hmm. spaces and as far as what they are and what they need to be and what they are uh, defined as to me means somewhere that a person of color or any other uh, marginalized person of any group can go and know that mm-hmm. they are um, going to be okay and they are going to be respected and protected as well because that's what the whole... Uh, that's what the whole idea is about is somewhere where you can like feel like you're yourself. So 
Hopefully, mm-hmm. Veer Queer is a safe space for people's ears. A safe ear yeah. space. I mean, I've at least been, I, I've at least had someone reach out to me personally saying that they feel like Veer Queer is a safe space for them. So I think that we're doing our best to create that because I was talking to someone earlier today that we started this project because we want to provide a platform to uplift black and brown communities, especially in Houston, right? Because I don't think that there's anything, well, I mean, not that there's not anything, but I don't think that black and brown communities have this this access to a platform like this to where we would invite them to come onto the show and just talk about, you know, whether if it's what kind of event that you're promoting or what um, what issues are, hap- are going on. So I do think that we we try our best. I mean, we're not perfect, but, you know. Yeah. Um, but going off what you were saying, Indisha, about Black Lives Matter being sort of about trans lives and Latinx lives, um, undocumented lives, and et cetera, et cetera, do you think that it can be really easy for people to kind of forget at the end of the day that we're still trying to focus back on Black lives? Yeah, I think that message gets lost in translation all the time. Um, it wasn't until Black Lives Matter started that hashtag All Lives Matters was a thing. And yeah, it was, it was so funny because it's like, no, we can't say All Lives Matter because black and brown and disabled people and trans people and women and children and everyone else are still being like, either murdered or, you know, not really getting the justice they deserve or people are just, mm-hmm. you know, opening and closing their cases, going missing. So you can't say all lives matter because you can't say black lives matter the same way you can't say that, like, brown lives matter. Like, of course we can't say that, but it's like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. All lives matter isn't... Doesn't make any sense because obviously that's not the truth because these issues are still happening. Right. It's like, it's not that we're saying that just because Black Lives Matter that no other lives matter. It's just that right. that we need to talk about what's going on right. uh, in the Black community right now. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, yeah. So with Black Lives Matter starting, there have been so many other movements and so many other groups that have um, created their own hashtag as well and have also started their own movements. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's so important because... That's what it all kind of stemmed from is saying, you know, hey, we need the public to recognize that this is a thing that happens to this certain group. And I mean, it's important because when it's not your perspective for a lot of people, it's not their problem. Mm -hmm. And you can say you support it all the time and you can say that you stand for this and stand for that. But if you never have to like deal with it head on, it's really easy to be like, oh, yeah, that really sucks. But let me go back to my life where I don't have to really deal with this particular issue. So yeah. the more that groups can let people know that, yeah, these are the things that we struggle with as well. And it's a common, uh, common struggle for this particular group or this particular, you know, orientation or whatever. It mm-hmm. lets people know like, yeah, this thing isn't just something that people are making up. If the people in this particular group all have the same experience. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Um, but I but I want to kind of jump back into an intersectionality with Black Lives Matter, too, because even though that it, it's both a good and bad thing, right, that it can get lost in translation really quick, just like with All Lives Matter, right? right. But I think that if intersectionality is done right, it can lead to, you know, people coming and being like, oh, like, there's other things that are happening in 
the uh, black and brown community that are not just about police brutality. We have to look at what's going on with black right. trans lives. We got to look at what's going on with undocumented lives and so on and so forth, right? With disabled yeah. lives and all that. Um, and I know that for me personally, um, I know that we still have a long way to go, especially with Latinx people trying to be involved, try to get behind Black Lives Matter. And I mean, I don't, I'm not like the ambassador for all brown people. Obviously, you are the right? leader. Yeah, right. But I, I saw like that we needed more work to be done when Black Panther came out and a lot of Latinx people were like, oh, when are we going to get our own brown superhero movie? I'm like, really? Like, are we really going to have that conversation right now? You have Natural Libre. <laughs> <laughs> you have Spy Kids. Sit down. <laughs> okay, can, um, can we be fair? Like, Spy Kids is fucking amazing. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that movie really as a kid. <laughs> Taylor Notner is cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I forgot he was a spike. Yo, kid. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but <clears throat> that just goes to show that there's still a lot of anti-blackness in the Latinx community, right? So I, I would really love to see a lot more Latinx representation happen get not happy, but being um involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. Well, yeah, that's why we have um our guest on today, yeah. Ashton. And there's different chapters of Black Lives Matter right. because they, you know, they focus on different things. And being from Houston, we're basically a melting pot when it comes to, you know, different nationalities, mm -hmm. different kinds of people. And since the Black Lives Matter, Houston's a different chapter than what it is nationally because we've got to focus on yeah. other, you know, other intersections that people hold. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be really interested to ask him what Black Lives Matter Houston looks like compared to other Black Lives Matter um, chapters in, in the U.S., if, if he would know, know about that. Yeah, I'm sure. That's, um, yeah, let's, should we just, like, go ahead and jump into the interview? Yeah, let's go and do that. All right, yeah. First and foremost, Ashton, I want to know, when did you start becoming involved with Black Lives Matter Houston? And what was, for you, why was it necessary for you to get involved in the, in the movement? Well, um, if I started the Black Lives Matter phase of my activism, I would say that it was around the time Trayvon Martin got murdered. Mm -hmm. And we might have not been using that hashtag, but it was clear to me that something needed to be said about the police police brutality, not just that, but mm -hmm. like an institution of racism that allows police the power that they have mm -hmm. in the first place. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think we start with the police and that um, we are, we are short-sighted and don't understand how things work, but we do. Mm -hmm. So, with that said, um, Black Lives Matter Houston was founded in Salem, Texas, um, by several people from Houston who were actually on the ground at Ferguson. Mm -hmm. At the time, I couldn't go to Ferguson, but I definitely made sure, as you know, um, pretty good at organizing locally in Houston, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to traveling to different cities. Um, we changed it to Black Lives Matter Houston in 2015 uh, from uh, Black Lives Matter Texas because of other chapters popping up in, our, in different cities, like in Dallas and Austin. Mm -hmm. And we decided to focus on, on things that range from policy all the way down to helping people find, find housing and re more recently hurricane relief. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So um, is it true that Black Lives Matter Houston was the first Black Lives Matter chapter to start in Texas? 
Okay, so so would you say that Black Lives Matter Houston was sort of, I mean, sorry, Black Lives Matter Texas uh, was sort of the big proponent for other Black Lives Matter chapters to open up, start popping up around the state? I think it encouraged it, but I'm not sure that we're the biggest proponent. I think that people in the individual municipalities with their own local issues were the reason why they started popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, earlier we were talking about the intersectionalities of different individuals within Houston and how I want to say that the Houston chapter is a lot different than any other chapter just because Houston is a boiling point, uh, like a boiling pot of different individuals. How do you, what would you say about that, like targeting other individuals when it comes to helping them? Well, one second. Mm-hmm. If you're saying, if you're asking me, how do we work with other groups uh, that are not a part of the black community? R- I right. want to be clear. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of the times before a Black Lives Matter existed and before a Me Too movement existed and all these other movements existed, we all had pre-existing relationships. So a lot of us were in school together. We started uh, activism in school together. And when the formation of this organization came about, a lot of us already had the tools and the relationships. Mm-hmm. So I know that intersectionally, there are black people who can identify as Latino. They can identify as, you know, intersectionally other racial aspects because some people are mixed race uh, and have different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But the bigger thing is, is that it's about making sure we just have each other's back. Because mm-hmm. just because I say Black Lives Matter does not make me any less of a human rights activist or, or people who work with me. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I would say um, it's really about the humanity. So when black people succeed, everybody succeeds. Mm-hmm. So if we can do and use our leverage that we have to help other groups, we will do so because that's, that's the right thing to do, period. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Ashton, do you think that intersectionality is a big proponent in keeping the movement alive? I mean, the movement is, is literally based on it, so it's at the, mm-hmm. in the foundation. You know, mm-hmm. you're thinking about a lot of people who were erased that now um, live openly, even in spite of the current situation that we're in with um, different levels of electors who try to legislate hate and uh, homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, and. Um, uh, a host of other issues that may arise for someone who is black and or gay or black and trans or, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Um, so we're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're not just talking about some. We're talking about all of them. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are people out there who disagree with that. Yeah. But the philosophy of Black Lives Matter Houston is to make sure that no one is left behind in this community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, even in dealing with problematic folks yeah. um, within the community, you know, Call in, call out, you know, hold account, hold each other accountable, but mm-hmm. make sure that we're still coming together to work towards the greater good. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you, as an organizer, have you ran into individuals who don't like your idea, and like, how do you, how do you navigate that when there are differences? I mean, I mean I, I've run into some things sometimes, but it's kind of like. Where one says no, another one says yes. But what happens when you start making your own yes and start getting approval from other people? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, um, a lot of the times the actions that I've taken as an individual activist or at the home of BLM Houston, uh, 
mm-hmm. and I don't want to sit around, and we're not going to sit around for two days and talk on the phone and have video chats and conference calls about the event when we can just have the event and put it together right away instead of, you know, doing all this respectable logistics and getting all these big core people to sign on as opposed to reaching out directly to the community and getting direct action to take place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, with, with that said, I guess um, a question that comes to mind is also um, allies. So, like, what does that look like to you as an organizer? Like, do we want allies? Do we want accomplices? Or, you know, like, and how are your performative allies are? Like, do you see that a lot? And have you run into that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, lately I've been saying a lot of accomplices, but some people haven't been... You know, people sort of told eventually. Here's the thing. Um, A lot of the people that I work with who happen to be white uh, or straight in some instances, I always look to see how far they'll go to stand between me or anyone else who identifies as LGBTQ or black or, you know, and in between the police at a protest or coming to the aid of someone when, when clearly a restaurant or any type of business entity or person that's been racist in, in the street and open public instead of just taking the phone out of recording and going live, right? Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, or sympathizing whether you did show for that one protest and all of a sudden they're part of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is the most annoying thing on earth. Um, uh, you know, telling, you know, just the idea behind checking privilege and white people feeling like when we say Black Lives Matter that we're actually talking to them and in my personal philosophy, when we say that as far as allies and accomplices, um, we're still talking about teaching black people that black lives matter. And basically the role of the accomplice is to make sure that if resources are not there, that they provide um, resources and that they provide support and support of whatever that they can afford or, mm-hmm. you know, that they can extend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, so what do you, so like, I guess with an ally, what do you see in an ally besides, you know, giving up money or like what, what can those people do? Um, first, I see friendship because there has to be a level of some trust for you to call somebody uh, an accomplice. Um, I, I don't really keep too many allies around me, so I'll, I'll just stick with the word accomplice. Um, I see friendship somebody who can actually get to, like, know and listen and know that as a human, I'm going to sit down and listen to them, too. And just, like, if something happens to me and they would come to my aid, I would do the same for them. So, really, to be honest with you, you're talking about friendships and relationships and partnerships that allow you to maneuver through spaces um, and and share information and network. Mm -hmm. So, it's more than, obviously, money and, like, um, physical support at a protest. It's... um, is something where you're actually in constant communication so that when things arise, you have a system that you can go through. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Ashton, before we, we uh, sign off, I actually had one more question for you. Um, so uh, obviously I was trying to do a little bit of my own research before we started this episode. So I started brushing up a little bit about respectability politics and uh, yeah, and so when I was looking that up, um, I had seen some articles that Black Lives Matter has shifted away from respectability politics, and I just wanted your hot take on that. And do you think Black Lives Matter as a huge as, as a whole um, has shifted away from that? 
Well, we were always, in from this inception, shifted away from respectability politics because of the fact that um, we know that we all can get people to show up in a suit and tie or a dress with some stockings or whatever to um, go to events and things like that. We know that people have needs and they have access issues. So respectability politics kind of makes this whole palatability thing where they take the people who are the most palatable to white folk, who look the most appealing to white folk, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. we've always been the type of group when y'all have seen me, I will show up anywhere. I don't care where it's at, in, some, in a t-shirt and some jeans. Mm-hmm. Tell me if I'm lying. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just something as simple as that, um, making sure that when people tell you you sound angry or you sound too angry or yeah. yelling or saying certain things and not getting through to people when you know the people who you're actually trying to get through to are not the people you're actually yelling at, but the people who you're trying to speak up for so mm-hmm. that they can come out and start speaking up for themselves mm-hmm. about creating a space. So respectively, politics never really actually had room anywhere in yeah. Black Lives Matter Houston or the movement at large mm-hmm. because it, it, it obviously... If, if it worked out so well, we wouldn't have to be fighting still, mm-hmm. really, yeah. to be honest. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Um, actually, so uh, I, I want to just add another question to that. Uh, what do you think is next for the movement, Ashton? Well, it's already happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in that phase where, and the Black Lives Matter, Houston specifically, a lot of people know that we've had a lot of involvement in helping to write policy in the form of bills or influence and uh, language and state bills that have actually been passed into law. Mm-hmm. Um, working on election campaigns to get the right people into office, even though we may not trust politicians, we still need to have people who are at least open to working with us to get things done. Yeah. Making sure that uh, people like the district attorney, that we have people who will be in to give us a shake. And that looks like, you know, at this point, now going forward, Bail, uh, abolishing bail bonds um, uh, on uh, victimless crimes. We're mm-hmm. talking about abolishing, um, a whole, you know, like going back and like triggering ordinances on mm-hmm. the ballot to reverse Matt Turner's homeless uh, um, attacks, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, attacks on the homeless, things like that. It's mm-hmm. something that we've been doing and that we're going to continue to do. So what's next for Black Lives Matter Houston is that we're expanding, but I can't go into detail. Yeah. But when you see it, you will know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you're mentioning bills and, and stuff. I know you worked on the Sandra Bland bill. Um, what were your difficulties like working on that and getting getting things passed and having different language and regulations in order to, you know, see someone or let someone recognize what you're saying? When it comes to the, like, what were your difficulties making the bill when you were working no, on time. it? Tons? Literally, it was time. Driving time from Houston to Austin. Mm-hmm. Time to find somewhere to stay. Mm-hmm. Time waiting to testify on the bill. Time waiting to sit in meetings. Time waiting to mm-hmm. go over something that might be taken out, like this constant negotiation. But it's not necessarily stressful. Mm-hmm. Now, what I will say is, is the observation would be that um, finding someone finding out that people who call themselves Democrats don't don't won't open their mouths or remain extremely quiet on certain bills mm-hmm. that might be um, beneficial to black and brown people in right. the state of Texas. Because you I'll don't have money. Exactly. So, Ashton, I know that obviously Black Lives Matter Houston is a big part of your life, but what other organizations um, are you involved in? 
Oh my. Um, <laughs> well, and affectionately, I'm a part of a lot of things. I'm, yeah. a, I'm the trustee for, I'm a board trustee for the Humanists of Houston. Um, I'm a, obviously, I'm an atheist, so I honor that an affectionate part of me. Mm-hmm. I'm on the, um, I'm a co-chair for the um, two-year-old Black Humanist Alliance under the American Humanist Association. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a political consultant. Mm-hmm. I, um, sheesh. <laughs> You're like, I just have a long rap I do different things. I'm a writer, so I have two blogs on my main website and my blog, Strength and Numbers. And I do guest posts on mm-hmm. um, magazine websites like The Humanist, um, on Pods.com. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a few, and I have something coming out in the Chronicle on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be interesting and I bet. So um, it just depends on the day you catch me. One day mm-hmm. I might be out yeah. raising money to get clothes and supplies. Another day I'm in a board meeting. I'm also on the alternative LGBT advisory board. Um, his first, I'm, this, I'm an original founding member of the LGBT advisory board after the Pulse Orlando shooting. And also, um, I mean, I don't know where else to go. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, That's I just do all thing. the things. That was a loaded question. Right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so Ashton, if someone wanted to get involved in Black Lives Matter Houston, what would be the first step and what's the best way for a person to be an ally for this movement? Well, the first step would be to when we meet is to look out for when we're having events to see if we need volunteers, mm-hmm. um, for people to, to, to be you know, to be those who can provide security, water, um, towels, sent in the first aid, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Lives Matter Houston is a team based structure, we're not a membership uh, structure like uh, per se the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it decentralizes, but it also centralizes the, the in, in, um, in a way that uh, allows critical decisions to be made in a split second. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever seen how rapidly we respond to things, that's probably why, because we're not sitting back. Um, waiting for somebody to, to, to debate why we should do what we're about to do and maybe we should rethink it. It's not about the nose. It's about what can we do on mm-hmm. this moment. Can we do something or we can't do something. Mm-hmm. No debate needed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. You got to work in action quickly, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Ashley, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I know you're a very prominent figure in the community and I just want to thank you for taking some time off and talking to us and yeah, thank giving you. us some details about Black Lives Matter. Okay. Uh, thank you. And uh, we also want to let you know that if you um, haven't yet, uh, y'all can subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, also like us on Facebook, Veer Queer Podcast. We also have a Twitter, which is Veer underscore Queer HTX. And uh, don't forget to uh, rate us and... Um, Let's see, rate us and leave us a nice review. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you all. Thank you all right. again, Ashton. Yeah, thanks, Ashton. All right. I'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Right, thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.